Welcome back to Victim Meet Advocate. If you are just joining us, we have been diving into the criminal justice system using using the fictional case of Barry and Beth. In the last two episodes, we covered the investigation, arraignment, preliminary hearing, and grand jury. In this episode, we will cover bench trials, pleas, and juries. When we were last with Barry and Beth, Barry Batman had gone through his preliminary hearing and grand jury. While all this was occurring, our victim advocate, Ava, was assisting Beth in finding resources to support her through this time, such as VineLink and Avalon. We're going to jump back in and start the story of Barry's trial. Barry's lawyer, Miss Fender, requested a jury trial. Once that request is made known to Ava and Miss Cuter, they jump into action preparing Beth and other witnesses to testify. Ava will take Beth on a tour of the courtroom and prepare her for how the circuit court judge handles the courtroom. In our case, the circuit court judge is named the Honorable D. Trier. As mentioned in the last episode, all felony cases are handled in the circuit court. Circuit court is the only court where a jury trial can occur on our local level. After a grand jury finds a true bill, the defendant is brought in for counsel determination. In our case, Barry asked Judge Trier to appoint Ms. Fender to continue to represent him. The next steps will be some form of adjudication. So that's making a formal judgment or decision about a problem or disputed matter. So it could be a bench trial, a jury trial, or a plea. In our case, Barry chooses to have a jury trial. And so the jury is scheduled for several days. As mentioned before, the advocate is prepping the victim and other lay witnesses for the trial. Ava arranges courtroom tours, meeting with the prosecutor, safety plans with court officers to ensure safety during the trial and after Beth testifies, and gets coping tools like a stress ball for Beth to use while she testifies. Ava will make sure that Beth is kept informed throughout the entire process. The first step of a jury trial is selecting the jury. Both the defense attorney and the prosecutor will have a chance to ask the jury questions to determine who they would like to select for a jury. Each lawyer will ask questions such as, do you know any of the witnesses, law enforcement officers, or have you ever been represented by the defense attorney in the past? Both attorneys will have the opportunity to strike people from the jury. This means to go ahead and exclude them. They can remove people who have a relationship with the witnesses or the defendant as needed. However, they can only strike four people just because they would like to. Essentially meaning that they have to provide a valid reason for why they were striking someone so the judge can know. I figured this was a good time to interject and ask this question, but what are some of the wilder things that you guys have seen or heard in a jury selection? So one of the juries I saw, um, it was like as mild as like someone knew the defendant. I know in my most recent jury, halfway through, one of our jury members says, I remember this man because I worked at the office that he came to after the crime. And then another one was a man said that he had been to jail for a certain amount of years. His rights have been restored and he is never sending anyone to jail. What about you, Chelsea? Um, so I'm not sure if this really qualifies as wild, but during a robbery trial, um, so one of the people on the jury said that they believed that this person should be robbed since they were already, like, since they had robbed somebody else. So they were obviously stricken from the jury pool. <laughs> I think those certainly meet the criteria of wild. So jumping back on track, once the, once the jurors are selected, the trial can begin. And so attorneys can choose to have opening statements or they can both waive and get straight into presenting evidence. In our case, both attorneys choose to give opening statements and at this time, all of the witnesses that have been sequestered from the trial to ensure there is no one changing a story. This is not a requirement for every case, but most cases will call for witness separation. Ms. Cuter goes first. She tells the jury a summary of what the evidence they will hear, such as 
such as Barry has a history of abusive behavior towards Beth, and this time he took that behavior too far and ended up strangling Beth, preventing her from being able to breathe to the point that she almost blacked out. Miss Cuter will then tell the jury if or will tell the jury if they believe the evidence they hear, they must find Barry guilty of strangulation. Next, Miss Fender will make her statements. She will try to put doubt in the jurors' heads about the summary of the facts that they just heard from Miss Cuter. So then we get to the part that we're most familiar with when we see those courtroom TV dramas, and this is the presentation of evidence. Miss Cuter gets to present first. The first witness she calls is Beth Badman. Beth testifies to what happened between her and Barry the day of the incident. Examples of the most common questions that we see that victims are asked in these court cases are, did the location happen in such and such county? In our case, it would be um, that the incident did happen in Gloucester County because we have to establish that jurisdiction. They're going to ask, can you identify the defendant? Because we want to make sure we have the right person who committed the crime present in court. Um, since this is a strangulation case, the victim will also be asked about her inability to breathe while Barry was strangling her. Um, another thing that sometimes we kind of bring in is what caused the event to end, whether it was did you get away and call law enforcement, did it stop, things like that. Another thing that I've noticed a lot, especially in um, cases where there are intimate partners, is were the police called and when did you go to law enforcement? So if the police weren't called right after the incident, a lot of times we'll kind of clarify when they went to law enforcement and what the um, kind of catalyst was to put them into law enforcement's hands. Um, so after Ms. Cuter finishes questioning Beth, the defense attorney gets an opportunity to ask questions. The defense cross-examination questions may include trying to ask details that Beth seems unclear on to try and trip her up. The goal here is to make Beth look not credible so the jury will have doubts as to Barry's guilt. The defense attorney can only ask questions in relation to what the prosecution has asked. For example, the defense cannot ask Beth what she was doing two days before the assault. When Ms. Fender, do when Ms. Fender does ask this, Ms. Cuter stands and says objection. Then she argues that this question is irrelevant and beyond the scope of her direct line of questioning. The judge then determines Ms. Cuter is in the right and Beth does not need to answer that question. The defense attorney gets to cross-examine all the prosecution's witnesses. And so once Beth is done testifying, she can be released, meaning she may stay in the courtroom to watch the rest of the trial, or she may go home and have Ava call her afterwards with the result. Another thing that may happen is she may be asked to remain. In this case, the prosecution may need to recall her for questioning, dependent upon other testimony, and they do not want to discredit her. If she is to remain, she would return back to the hallway, and Ava would go back into the courtroom and wait to see if she is needed. In this case, Beth is released and she takes a seat next to her advocate and Judy, her support person, in the courtroom. After Ms. Cuter rests her case, just like a preliminary hearing, the defense attorney will make a motion to strike or dismiss, stating the prosecution did not meet the elements of a crime beyond a reasonable doubt, meaning that they, have showed a 90, they haven't showed a 99% certainty that Barry committed the crime. At this time, the jury is sent out of the room before argument is heard to ensure their decisions are not affected by this argument. Although this is a jury... This is a jury the judge will decide the motion for our sake we'll say the judge denied that motion and the jury was brought back in for the trial to continue next the defense gets to put on their witnesses just like you see on tv the defendant barry does not have to testify most defendants will not testify but let's say in our case barry does the prosecution has the opportunity to ask questions of all defense witnesses as long as it is within the quote-unquote scope of what the defense attorney has asked 
So after both sides have rested and presented their evidence, the jury will be read instructions on what the charges are and what the elements of those charges are. The instructions are prepared by both the prosecutor and the defense in advance. There may be some disagreement on these for the sake of this. Let's just say Ms. Fender does not agree on something Ms. Cuter has put in the direct into the instructions. The judge hears both sides and then they all agree to strike that particular instruction. After the jury is read the instructions, they go to another room and begin to deliberate. And so the jury gets options for the for the charge the defendant was indicted on, such as reducing the charge to a lower one. So an example of this would be a jury may find that an aggravated malicious wounding is actually just a malicious wounding based on the evidence that they have heard during the trial, or to find them not guilty in our case. And so in our case, the jury has three options. The first would be to find Barry not guilty. The second would be to find him guilty of strangulation and assault and battery or the third to just to find him guilty of just the assault and battery. And so after the jury deliberates, they decide to find Baird guilty of strangulation and assault and battery. So during this whole process, Ava is providing support to Beth and other witnesses. She's keeping them up to date on how the case is going, providing them with some coping tools like we mentioned, like the stress ball, and making sure that Beth has a safe place to wait where Barry and his family cannot have contact with her. Since Barry was found guilty, Ava then briefly explains the victim impact statement how sentencing will work and encourages Beth to take in everything that has happened. She also schedules another time to call to go um, to call her to go more in depth about all those things that we're going to cover in the next episode. So basically what we just described was a general summary of how a jury trial works. Jury trials are not the only way for a case to conclude. Two other ways are bench trials and pleas. Since circuit court is the only court that can have jury trials, if this case had been a misdemeanor, we would have been covering a bench trial. That is a trial where the judge is the decision maker of guilt or innocence. Evidence is presented in a similar way and ultimately the judge will make that decision, then sentencing will occur. In lower courts, victims do not complete victim impact statements. However, sometimes victims can speak to the judge about their experiences regarding the crime. This is usually rare and is dependent on the judge. And so pleas can be entered in all three courts. A plea agreement is an, amen, is an agreement between the defendant, the prosecution, and the court for the defendant to plead guilty to a certain charge. In that agreement, there can be conditions that the defendant has to follow, such as being on probation, mental health counseling, no drugs and alcohol, no contact with the vic victim and witnesses in the case, etc. And so the agreement can include an agreed upon sentence, but does not have to. In the case, in the case that an agreement isn't agreed upon, the judge will determine the appropriate sentence. And so Barry, if he had entered into a plea agreement, then the judge would have asked Barry a series of questions to see if Barry was able to understand what was happening, what he was pleading guilty to, and what rights he was waiving so he could enter that plea agreement. And so because of the nature of our case, Barry will be given a PSR, which is a pre-sentence report, and a sentencing date to come back. And on that day, Beth can share her victim impact statement, which we will cover in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Victim Meet Advocate. We now have only one more episode left in this section of season three, so be sure you're following all our social medias to stay up to date on the latest episodes and our awareness months. All affiliated links will be in the description. And until next time, this has been Victim Meet Advocate. Thank you.